Welcome to the High Rankings Podcast, brought to you by Dispensary Growth, the preeminent SEO agency for dispensaries. Each episode will dive into the world of search engine optimization for cannabis dispensaries. We'll discuss the latest strategies and tactics to help your dispensary rank higher on search engines and attract more patients and customers. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, join us as we explore how to maximize your online presence and stay ahead of the competition in the rapidly growing cannabis industry. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the High Rankings Podcast with me, Kaz, and the other annoying person, Charlie. The star How of the show. You, Charlie? No, you're not. It's nice that you think you are, but no. What's new in your world? By the way, what episode are we on? Episode 36. Episode 36. Yes, we have done, well, we will have done 36 episodes. It's crazy. Anyway, what's new with you in your world? Getting back into more mountain biking, shoulder feels about 90%. I can lift weights, thank the Lord. I told my PT guy, I feel like a bag of milk, just not lifting, <laughs> just like no definition whatsoever. It's, it was just atrocious. Mm. So like I'll lift and then I think it's just the muscles in my, sh- in my left shoulder just kind of, I don't know if they just tighten up. They're just sore, you know, like they're not used to that kind of stress. But it also feels really freaking good to get back in the gym and start lifting. So that's good. Gearing up for Thanksgiving. We'll go to my parents' place. And yeah, more mountain biking, which is freaking awesome. So it's still hot. It's still grossly warm here this time of year for mid-November. It's still like 60s, 70s here in Denver. So I can get back out on the bike. I uh, hit the bike park. I'll probably go here in a little bit actually today after this recording. And yeah, so that that's nice. Getting back into normal routine of being active and not having to think, oh, geez, I can't do this because of my shoulder. I can't do this because of my hand. My hand is still pretty fucked, but just my shoulder is getting a lot better. How is the weather out there? Because you've already had snow this year, right? Yeah, we've had snow. Right now, it's like 65 blue skies. Oh, no yeah. snow on the ground. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's really good mountain bike. It's like a nice, crispy air. Ooh, it's not like, like freakishly hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Getting the layering season, which is going to be nice. Oh my goodness. I wish I knew what that was. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So things are good. How about you, Caspots? What is new? Well, this weekend coming up is the Las Vegas F1 Grand Prix. And I think it's going to be problematic. Mostly because, because these organizers, I don't know when they went out to Vegas to scope out the area for the race, but... They did not anticipate it being cold at night in Vegas. So Pirelli have had to come up with some new tires, which I think is going to be an issue. It's the whole of the track. It's a road track, so it's a road circuit, but it's had to be, obviously, they've had to resurface it because they would anyway. So it's a road track. But I think it might end up being a bit of a shit show. They are touting it like it's going to be this thing you know and miami's already kind of a joke like austin is like really like the one american race that like has credibility miami's just a bit of a joke because it's all like influencers and celebrities and all that kind of shit and they go go over the top and like you know the way they introduce the drivers coming out for the parade it was real cringe but with vegas the track is not that great of an interesting track 
There's one turn that I think is going to be problematic and I think we're going to see crashes on. The weather, it's going to be cold. The residents who live there have gotten screwed over the way that they've blocked a whole bunch of stuff off to build like you know, whatever the, the, the things they've needed to build, like seats and everything. The prices people were charging for hotel rooms and tickets have like tumbled way, way down. And then on top of that, it's a night race, which wouldn't be so bad, except that anybody on the East Coast is getting screwed because the race starts at one o'clock, like Sunday morning, a.m. So Saturday night, but Sunday so at morning. at 1 a.m.? Yeah. So Vegas. What is that I- about? Are you on the same time zone as Vegas or are they an hour behind you? I think they're an hour behind. Okay, so it's three hours behind us, right? So Why is it 1 a.m. though? Because it's Vegas. First of all, we don't have Saturday night races. We just don't. They're Sunday races, right? But they wanted to make it a night race. But they're not making it a Sunday night race, which is what ordinarily would happen. They're making it a Saturday night race. So it's like even quality, like... Well, it is Thursday night. Well, it's 3 a.m. Friday morning. So again, it's stupid. It's stupid because normally quality for a night race would be like, I don't know, six, seven, whenever it starts getting dark. So all of the East Coast are going to like miss it. Or they're going to have to stay up till one o'clock for the start of the race, which will go till what, 3 a.m. in the morning. So they could have just started it at like seven or eight. So people on the East Coast could have seen it. It's all messed up. Like, I don't hold out a whole lot of hope that it's going to be very popular on the calendar. We'll see. I am excited for today because Netflix is doing this live, their very first live production thing where they've got four drivers who are pairing up with four pro golfers and they're having like a mini mini tournament between them. It starts at six o'clock my time. So it's, I don't know any golfers, but it's Carlos Sainz, which... You know how I feel about Carlos Sainz. He's a pretty How's good golfer. He's he's a handsome handsome man. <laughs> he drives for Ferrari. He's a pretty good golfer. Then we have Alex Albon, who drives for Williams. His girlfriend is a pro golfer, which you think would help him, but he doesn't listen to her. Then you have Lando Norris, who drives for McLaren, and he's a pretty good golfer. I don't think he's as good as Carlos. And then the surprise of the whole thing is Pierre Gasly, who drives for Alpine, who I didn't even know played golf. So he's kind of the surprise of the four. So it'll be interesting. So I don't know the first thing about golf, except you hit a ball with a club thing to get it in a hole. But I will tune in and watch it because I think the banter between them all is going to be like really good. So that I'm excited about the race. I'm like, meh. So why have tickets gone down for the Vegas? Because they weren't selling. I think the organizers thought it was going to be like hot shit, you know, and I think they overestimated it. I mean, yeah, Vegas is definitely a tourist attraction city for sure. And I don't know. I, I just know like you couldn't get a hotel room a few months ago. And now obviously they've released them all and the prices have come down for the tickets and the prices have come down for the hotel rooms with the availability. But what they've done is they've built these massive grandstands and bleachers and stuff, and they've just blocked everybody's view from everywhere. So you know how like to walk across the strip, you had those like walkways with glass on either side. So as you walk across, you can still look and see. Yeah, yeah. Well, they put like this white like film over the glass. So if you were on those bridges, you couldn't see down because they're going to race on the strip. What? Yeah, but all the locals were like, F this, and started peeling off the white <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope for the Real drivers, on the, on the they have a good track. time. Yeah, I think that you... 
I mean, this town's seen a lot of amazing events and amazing people come through. And for them to be really complaining about this track, this whole situation is, sorry, that is my dog, is interesting. So we'll see. But I am excited for the golf thing this afternoon to check that out. And other than that, there is nothing exciting. I went out on the new boat at the weekend. We took my husband's sister and her husband out on it. And we drove down to this little island place and had lunch and then came back. So that was nice. That's about it. That's my life. It's well, nice. it's kind of disappointing that the Vegas race is kind of scaling down. It's not as, as big as people anticipated. Mm, I, I mean, be, maybe it's that 1 a.m. start. I don't know. Is there like a, I wonder why the hell they would do that. I mean, because when you think about it, it's still a really late start for Vegas. It, yeah. Even in Vegas, it's a late start. And that is assuming that there's like no red flags. The race isn't stopped for any reason. Like the race wouldn't finish until probably 3 a.m. And then you have all these drivers doing press conferences and stuff. I don't know. It's just a whole weird thing to me. I'm sure there's reasoning and rationale behind it, but the talk is not that great. And also the track is not that. Like it looks like an upside down pig. Like if you go look at the map of the track, it really, it's not that exciting of a track, especially since it is a road circuit. It's, you know, but I hope it's successful, obviously. I don't want it to fail and I don't want everyone to have a miserable time. I just think they have hyped this up so much that it's almost like you're setting yourself up for failure at this point of it not reaching the hype that you have for the last however many months and months of this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. interesting. We'll see. But That's it is bad. so most of the East Coast, I imagine, will not be watching it live. And honestly, what's going to happen is predictable. Max will win and. He's won almost every other race this season. So who's he drive for? Red Bull. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he's definitely disappointing. I mean, I've been upset a lot of people by saying this, but at the moment, I do think he is the best driver on the track. Oh. And I know you Lewis fans are going to be like, "No, he's not." Blah, blah, blah. I said what I said. I stand by what I said. At the moment, I think he's the best driver on the track, and he does have the best car. So there is that. But if you look at his teammate, who's also in the same car, he's nowhere near him. So I said what I said. I stand by it. Okay. Who do you have coming in second? Historically, looking back, will he be? It depends. I don't know. It depends if you're going to use world championships as your, you know, as your marking point, because everybody argues that Senna was the best driver in the world and he didn't get seven world championships, but Schumacher did and Lewis did. So I don't know. I don't know how you gauge it. Different cars, different times, you know different rules, different regulations. I'm just saying currently this season, he's the best driver on the track. And who's coming in second? Second and third. <laughs> That's not for debate. It's a close one between Checo, who is Sergio Perez, which is Max's teammate at Red Bull, and Lewis Hamilton in the shitbox Mercedes. <laughs> it's not a shitbox compared to the Haas, but it's it's not what we're used to seeing out of Mercedes, who dominated for years. So I think Checo will get it. Because Mercedes had a shit time in Brazil. Sorry about my dog. I think Checo will get it, which might just save his bacon for next season. But we'll see. I don't know. I also think the driver of the year, if you were to exclude Max, I think the driver of the season is a toss-up between Lando Norris and his rookie teammate, Oscar Piastri. Rookie, huh? Yeah, he's a rookie and he's fantastic. He's Where is he from? Where is he from? Yeah. He's from Australia. Okay. Yeah. 
He's amazing. He's a, hmm. such a great, he's amazing. Really good driver. But anyway, that's my update. I could talk about F1 for I don't know how long and upset a lot of people with my opinions. But hey, it's just an opinion. Don't have to agree with me. So moving on, this week on our episode, we are going to talk about the five SEO blunders that is hurting your Google presence or your rankings, which might sound simple. And we've probably talked about them in depth before, but it is a reminder for you to make sure that you check that you're not doing any of these things. So outside of just not doing SEO at all, because that would be the biggest blunder. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, I was not going to do that. Let's talk about things that people do or don't do that hurts their Google ranking. You want to go first? As far as what I see. So when I hop onto a, a dispensary website, first thing I see, first thing I notice is the layout of the website. So the website structure. So is there a blog? And is it slash blog? Is it www.dispensary.com slash blog slash what is Purple Kush? So is the blog structured correctly? Is it segmented? Is the website segmented correctly? Is it siloed? Is what I'm trying to say. That'd be the first thing. So into that would go like, if you're an MSO and you have, let's say you're Colorado, I don't know, Missouri, and say California, you should have a state page. So it should be www.dispensary.com slash state dispensary locations slash Denver, and then slash Sacramento in California. Like wherever that your physical locations are located, that should be structured correctly. And everything should be clean on the back end. Mm-hmm. You should have city pages, you should have state pages, you should have law pages for the respective states and FAQ pages for the respective states as well. So everything should be segmented and clean on the back end so that really all you have to do is click new state page and just get your content up. So that that's the first thing I see is the silo of a website. Also, obviously the shopping, you know, your product pages are set up correctly too. I, I guess that's more of like UX, but that, that's the first thing I notice is the structure of the website. And so within that, well, sort of within that, but not within that, when you were talking about having local pages for your dispensary locations, Google My Business being either not done or not done properly or not utilized and optimized would probably be another one. Yep. Yep. That's a big one. Your your city pages are your sales pages. Those are what's going to like, that's where all your, your leads are going to come from. Your, your customers are going to come from because they're going to land on your city page. Let's just say your Kansas City page and your GMB should be embedded on there at the bottom. Your name, address, phone number should be in there. Mm-hmm. And that should match your Google business profile. Everything should be congruent. Mm-hmm. And as the authority of your domain increases, then your ranking of the city page increases locally for a search like dispensary near me. And if that GMB isn't optimized, then that's like drastically hurting the chances of that happening. And then also, I know we have talked about this until we are blue in the face, but we will continue to do so is reviews, 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 reviews. And reviews. Yes. reviews. Set up some sort of automation. You can use a, a system like Alpine AQ, some sort of reward system and you know have it so that 10 minutes after, or 50, I wouldn't say an hour, 10 minutes after a, a transaction that that customer receives a text message on their phone, hey, thank you for visiting. 
can you please click this link and give us a review so we can work to improve your experience? Something like that. Mm -hmm. And that link is a Google review link. So yes, more reviews, more, 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 more. That's huge for local Google searches. And make sure that you also delegate somebody within your dispensary or within each dispensary, depending on how many you have, to interact with that review and do not use AI responses. No, no, no. no. Do not do that. It doesn't take much. It's a couple sentences. Thanks for the review. I look forward to seeing you soon. Something like that. Just engage with your customers, engage with your local market. Excellent. Okay. Lunder number two, and you did briefly touch on it just a moment ago. Yeah. I I was going to say, what's the first thing that that you see that you're like, no, this isn't right? Honestly, shitty websites. Like, honestly, terrible design, too busy design, too much stuff going on at once. It being really slow. I can't navigate where I'm going. I don't really know what I'm looking for. I clicked on it because I thought it had something that I wanted, but I don't know where it is because I can't find it. Well, I had one the other day. Oh, not the other day, but when we were buying our boat, we were trying to show people the boat, obviously, before it came in. And surprisingly, the website for the boat was so terrible on mobile, so bad. It wasn't great on the web, but it was a lot better. But it was it would just like jump all over the place where you weren't trying to go. You were just trying to show pictures. And I think it had maybe like a slide for the pictures, you know, and it just uh, didn't work gross. very well on mobile. Gross. So, oh, I cannot, like in this day and age, I just don't think there's an excuse for a shit website. I just, or a slow website or one that doesn't work on mobile, because I would actually argue probably wrongly, but I would argue that your website being suitable for mobile use is probably more important than it being suitable for like desktop, laptop use. Yeah. That is So if I can't pull it up on my website, on my mobile phone and find what I'm looking for, get where I want to go, read what I want to read. No, thank you. Just I'll find something else because I will, because it's just ridiculous. So a shit website from all aspects of it, you know, and I do think like, and I know that this is very subjective, but to me, the cleaner that a website looks the more effective your messaging is. Meaning I don't want to open a website and we've talked about this before, but the Pit Viper website, which is ironically designed to look like it does. Like, I guess it works because it's meant to look like a really bad 80s website. But if you do that and it's unironic and there's just so much happening and the colors are all off and there's so much coming at you at once, like, no, 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 no. The cleaner it is, the more effective your messaging is going to be. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Unless you hit Viper and you can get away with it. Yeah. All right. You got number three. Okay. Again, outside of not even doing SEO, <laughs> how would you characterize a shit website? Would you say that's bad UX or just true? Oh yeah, for sure. No, website? yeah, 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 yeah. The whole okay. thing is bad. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm the user and I am not having a good experience. So okay. yeah, full UX. So I would say a bad keyword strategy and a bad content strategy for your dispensary would be the next one. And what I mean by that is not targeting the right keywords for your local market, like obviously best dispensary in Kansas City, Kansas City's best dispensary, top rated dispensary in Kansas City, not just those keywords, but like product searches. So like Jeter in Kansas City, pre-rolls in Kansas City, best flower in Kansas City, not targeting those kinds of product searches, you're missing out on a huge, huge opportunity, not just for obviously new customers, but for revenue as well. 
effective keyword strategy would be like not doing that would be um, not doing keyword research, not doing competitor research. You know, what's your closest competitor doing? What are they ranking for? You know, you you can get a tool like SEMrush or partial to SEMrush. You can get a tool like SEMrush and just plug it into there and see like what their top 10 keywords are. And then look at the pages where those keywords are ranking and just reverse engineer. Like, how are they doing that? How much content do they have? Is the content even any good? Is this going to be difficult to rank for, et cetera, et cetera. So an ineffective keyword strategy can really cripple a website. Like if, I, also, I think to like piggyback off of that, I would say being way too optimistic with your keyword strategy. And by that, I mean, if you don't have the website ranking. Domain authority. Thank you. If you don't have the domain authority for high ranking keywords, don't be going after them. (laughs) I mean, maybe as part of a strategy where you're looking short term and long term, fine. But you are not going to rank for, say, for example, what did we look up the other day? We looked up a word. It was like, wasn't COVID, but it was, oh, it was Amazon. You're not going to rank for a word that has a hundred percent keyword difficulty if you have a 15% percent domain authority. Nope. So don't be overly ambitious. Now that's not to say that you cannot add in some keywords that do have a higher KD. Absolutely. But just go in or with the understanding that you're not going to be ranking for that keyword for a while. So make sure that you're going in for keywords that have much more realistic KD. So set realistic goals with your keyword strategy for sure. Now would they look at their competitors first? You can, but like you can't. What they're currently ranking for? You can, but if your competitor has domain authority of 65 and you have a domain authority of 13, you have to take that into account because they're going to rank for keywords a lot quicker and easier than you are. So yeah, you do obviously always look at what your competitors are doing. Absolutely. It's one of the most important things to do, but you also have to be realistic in your approach to that, to what they're doing. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay, so keyword strategy that you kind of put in together with content? Yeah, I would loop keywords, content, content being like words on your website. That's critical. So yes, I would loop in content and keywords. So with content, you may want to make sure that it is quality content. You're not just stuffing your website with blog pages just for the fun of it. You want to make sure that the keywords that you use that are keywords people are searching for, when they land on that page organically, that that page is relevant to them and contains information that they're looking for. You do not at all want to have duplicate content on your website at all. You want to make sure that you're on-page linking, you're off-page linking, you have that on your website, you know, and make sure content something you would want to read because if you don't want to read it, other people aren't going to want to read it either. And it shouldn't be AI either. It, it, should well, be, yeah. it should be written by a real person with industry knowledge. There should be keyword research done. There should be a competitor analysis done. It should be good content. It should answer questions that your target audience is asking because that's that's Google's job is to present them information. So if yeah. you have the best information, then you're going to be at the top. And it should absolutely fit in with your voice, meaning your company, your dispensary, your website has a unique vibe about it, has a unique voice. And you want to make sure that your content, whoever's writing it, is following along with that. And if you use AI, it will be so incredibly obvious what you've done because you won't have that voice and that kind of feel about your content. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I think you touched briefly on this in our introduction, but 
The next blunder, blunder number four, would be terrible website structure. So that is from, you better have some silos on there, which we've talked about in depth. So go ahead and listen to previous podcasts that we've done. But silos would basically be like a parent page, let's say, for example, qualifying conditions. And then within that parent page, you would have child pages. So it would be migraines, cancer, seizures, glaucoma, anxiety. Those would be your your child pages. So you want to make sure that your silos are set up that way. And then within that, obviously, would be your URLs to make sure your, your URLs are structured correctly throughout the whole website. That is actually like super important with your silos. Charlie, you did talk about state and city pages before. Blogs, you want to make sure you have blogs on there. And you also want to make sure that you're uploading your blogs, your new blogs regularly. We talk about having a certain cadence to your website. So if you're a once a week upload, that's fine, but you need to maintain once a week. You can't do once this week and then four next week, and then you skip a whole month and then maybe a couple that week after that. Like It has to have some kind of regular cadence within it. And then obviously things like FAQ, law pages, anything else that's relevant. We have clients that have a community page where they discuss what their dispensaries are doing within their local communities, which I think is amazing. So yeah, make sure that you go through and that's all all done. And then I'll let you pick up on London number five. Okay. The next one. Yeah. So we do all this. Okay. We, we clean up the site. We as in dispensary owner clean up the website, get your content nailed down. Backlinks is obviously a big one. Clean up your backlinks, disavow any toxic ones that can come through with a website audit. But the next one would be tracking website performance. So run an audit at least once a week, ideally every Monday and Friday to clean up any technical roadblocks. So like if you did an off-page link from a state page onto like a federal website, and let's say for whatever reason that page was taken down, that broken link will show up in that website audit. So you can clean that up. So there's no errors on there. The more errors there are on your website, the more it's going to cost you in rankings. So get rid of those technical roadblocks. That would be the first thing. Get a benchmark for how your website is tracking, or pardon me, ranking. Google Analytics, Google Search Console, SEMrush. And then in 30 days, have your content plan ready to go, your backlink strategy. And then during those 30 days, track the website. So again, using those tools, use the Google marketing platform, Google Analytics, Google Search Console, track your impressions, your click-through rates, make any appropriate adjustments that you have to, but get a benchmark for where you were 30 days ago and where you are today. And then that way, it's like losing weight. It's like, okay, I haven't, my body literally hasn't changed at all in Mm. 30 days. So what am I eating? Like, what's my lifting strategy? Like what lifting schedule game plan? Do I need to increase my dips? Do I need to increase my squat? Like something isn't right. If you're doing the same thing, you know, for lifting every couple times a week and nothing has changed in two weeks and your nutrition is like on point, like there's a disconnect somewhere. So same thing with the website. If your rankings haven't changed, your users and new sessions and all that, like nothing has changed or if they've decreased, there's a reason why. And you have to figure that out. And you do that by tracking the website correctly. Yeah. So that I think are just not, they're undervalued by a lot of people who run websites. I think, you know, you can automatically set them up to run however often that you want them to run. 
But if you're not doing them, you're wasting a lot of your time and your energy because they will catch broken links and things like that. But also if you're running them and then you're not reading the report that you get and fixing the problem, (laughs) you're also not helping yourself. You should do what shows up on the audit. Like it's there for a reason. You shouldn't just ignore it. Like don't be a shit bag and just ignore it. And they're like, oh, geez. Like, and then you have poopy pants and why your website hasn't done anything. Like it's there for a reason. You should clean it up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then like other website performance trackers other than audits. Yeah. So you can rip it through Screaming Frog. That's a pretty extensive tool. We like that one. You could run it through Google Lighthouse. That's through the Chrome browser. That's pretty good. And then like just SEMrush's audit. It's it's a pretty good tool. So it doesn't matter. Like we're we're partially screaming frog in SEMrush. You run it through yeah. there, you'll get a, a good heartbeat, a good gauge on the website and just clean it up from there. All right. So those are the top five blunders. So you want to make sure that you're not doing any of those. And if you are, you gotta fix it. I mean, there's more mistakes you can make, but those really are like the top five probably most important ones out there. Oh, also make sure that your website is secure. It's HTTPS. Ooh, yeah. So that, that little padlock on the Google Chrome browser, browser, browser. Yeah, make sure that it's secure. It probably is, but let me tell you, if your website is not secured, there's no way in hell somebody's going to shop from there. In fact, I don't think those menus work like a Jane menu or like a Dutchie menu or Mosaic. I, I don't think they work if your website is not secured. I don't think so. They shouldn't. But yeah, if your domain is not HTTPS safe and secured, there's no way in-house somebody's going to shop on your site. And if, if you don't know if it's secured, just talk to your your hosting. So like your GoDaddy account, mm-hmm. perhaps GoDaddy or HostGator or Bluehost, whomever it is, and just ask them, is my website secured? Make sure that your website has your SSL certificate, HTTPS. So SSL certificate, contact your hosting for that. Yeah, because I won't shop if I don't see that little symbol on the left of your URL bar. That's a no for me, dog. Yeah. Most of the time you'll get like a pop-up that tells you it's not secure. Yeah. Like Google Chrome will warn you and it's probably not, but we've seen some pretty like pigeon websites before and they're still out there. Yeah. Fits it. Okay. Well, I think that just about finishes this week's episode. Next week, if you can believe it, is Thanksgiving. Can you believe it? We can't wait. Oh my goodness. Everybody's going to be eating turkey and stuffing. Turkey, stuffing, sweet potatoes. What's Uh, your favorite pie? I mean, I've always loved pumpkin pie. I smash pumpkin pie. It's always been pumpkin pie. No, no. What is yours? I'm surprised you even like, you don't like anything. I'm surprised you even like like, pie. That's not true. I like apple pie as long as it doesn't have cinnamon in it. But it is like premium if the apple pie has been warmed through and then it is served with like some really good vanilla ice cream, Mm. like unbeatable, like peach pie is good. I tend to like fruit pie. So peach, apple, cherry, love cherry pie. I don't like pecan pie or pumpkin pie, but yeah, like I verge more on like a sweet pie. How do you feel about sweet potato casserole? I don't think I've had it. It's like, I would try it. I, I do like sweet potatoes. I actually love sweet potatoes and yams. Isn't it basically? I've never had it, but I would try it. Mashed up sweet potatoes and then they put like marshmallows on the top and then like cook it. If that's it, then yes, I've had it. And yeah, and it's good. Yeah. No, gross. Absolutely. <sighs> Shut Why are you putting marshmallows on a potato? Because it's sweet. That's just the way it is. Not a dessert. So it's a side dish. So it's mm. just like, oh, I'm going to take some potato and put some 
I don't know, jelly beans on it. Like, why would you? No, it's gross. I'm not even surprised you don't like it. And before anyone comes at me about, oh, you're British, you don't understand, or oh, you're British, your food's bad. First of all, no, because have you even been there? And second of all, I'm an American citizen now, so I can talk shit about sweet potato casserole. And I just, it's gross. I just don't, I don't understand. What will you not, okay, other than that, what will you not even touch? Let's think about this. Turkey is fine. I like white meat though. So obviously that's fine. Green beans are fine. Potatoes are fine unless it's that awful sweet mix that we talked about. Gravy is fine. Stuffing. I don't really like soggy food. So like, you know, if like your French fries get soggy Uh, or your sandwich gets soggy, I I can't. It's a texture thing for me. So if the stuffing is like soggy, no. But if it's just made separately and it's like not soggy, then I would eat that. What else? That's it, isn't it? That's what it. would you not eat? Because we all know I'm fussy. Oh, just high maintenance. What would I not eat? I don't eat. There's, <laughs> there's not a lot that I wouldn't eat on Thanksgiving. No, there's some dish with mushrooms on it. It's, it's like a mushroom gravy. There's something else. I don't know. I can't recall what Green it is. Green bean casserole? That's some people mushrooms on that. May whatever it is, I don't even look at it. I certainly you, sure as hell you don't, don't touch like it. mushrooms. Not really. I don't uh, love them. How about that? I don't oh. love them. Yeah, I, I just don't go near it on Thanksgiving. Huh. Other than that, it's fair game, and I just I, I go fucking ham on Thanksgiving. Like have to unbutton your pants, or you just wear soft pants that don't have a button. Mm, I'll probably just wear soft pants. I'll just wear some joggers because. I mean, it's Thanksgiving, right? You just eat and watch football. Uh, well, if there's any hockey during Thanksgiving. We are, weather permitting, we'll be on the boat eating turkey sandwiches anyway. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, so, whatever, Casbot. Yeah. All right. Well, that sums it up. I don't know if we'll put an episode out next week because they normally go out on Thursdays, don't they? Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll just put it up on Friday. Oh, okay. Well, then have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're listening to this in a timely manner. If not, I guess it doesn't matter. But we uh, will be back next week with another episode for you. Until then, have a great holiday. Don't get her injured or kill anybody else doing Black Friday shopping. And we will see you soon. Peace. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the High Rankings Podcast, brought to you by Dispensary Growth, the preeminent SEO agency for dispensaries. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you found value in the insight and the tips we shared. If you did, please hit that subscribe button. And if you're feeling super generous, we would love it if you left us a review. If there's a specific topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, or if you have any questions, you can go ahead and find us on LinkedIn or YouTube. We'll see you next time.